The number is one 990 Help at the All kinds of stuff to get through here uh, today in the Insurance and Injury Law Show. We'll look back or at least look forward to the week that was. Uh, what's going on, pal? Well, John, it's been, as usual, a very busy week, oh, yeah. so let's just uh, delve into it. Let me read you uh, an email that I received from uh, uh, a lady. Um, it, it's, it's about a, a pretty serious accident, car accident, and uh, they actually went to a few other lawyers and, well, in my opinion, did not get necessarily the best advice. Uh, so here's the message. She writes, Hi there, I'm emailing in regards to an incident my sister was involved in on June 22, 2017. She was hit by an erratic driver at her school parking lot. She was on foot when he struck her from behind. She was rushed to the hospital in an ambulance where she spent almost a week recovering. When we finally were able to bring her home, we had to order special equipment to accommodate her at home. She still to this day has to do physiotherapy and other treatments because of this incident. On top of all this, I have a video which clearly shows the incident. There are many other factors that I could mention as well, but would be better to do that in person. My family has contacted some other lawyers, but we're told that we don't have a basis for a claim, which I find quite hard to believe. I heard about your firm on a talk show, and I thought that I would look into it. If you believe you can help in any way, please give me an email or send me an email or call whenever possible. So, of course, we had contacted this lady. Sounds ironclad to me. So this is interesting. So let's unpack this for a second. Um, What we understood was that she had, or her family had contacted a few other lawyers, some of which advertise heavily on billboards. Look, I'm not going to comment on other lawyers. All I can say is this. Whenever you're dealing with a serious injury, particularly where a person is in hospital for a prolonged period of time, right? You're not just going to emerge to get checked out. Uh, You're there for a week. You're still having issues. And by the way, she hasn't been able to return to her job and and she she has you know injuries that I'm not going to get into but they're fairly severe you know it boggles the mind how they could have been told that she has no case remember also that when you're a pedestrian and when you are hit by a vehicle as a pedestrian then under the law you're not obligated to prove that the driver was negligent right. they have to prove that they were Worth. not negligent right because in law as a claimant particularly in, in an injury context, if you are injured, let's say it's a slip and fall accident, you got to show that whoever was maintaining the area where you slipped and fell did something negligently or, or did not do something which was negligence, which caused you the injury. In a case where you have a car hitting a pedestrian, that onus is reversed. You, as the person who's making a claim, don't have to prove the negligence. They right. have to prove it they were not negligent. So it's already an uphill battle for the driver who hit her. Now, she's going to be entitled to benefits, income replacement benefits, because she can't go back to work, various rehab-type benefits, and a variety of other types of benefits. And that's going to be from her own automobile insurer, even though she was a pedestrian. If she doesn't have her own insurance and is not insured under any other automobile policy, then the other driver, the, the driver yep. who hit her, it's going to be his insurance company that's going to be paying for those benefits. But guess what? To the extent that her injuries are going to be permanent, which is what it seems like to me, even though this incident just happened just because of the severity of the injuries, uh, then she's going to have a claim for compensation for pain and suffering from that driver and his insurance company will respond. So we're going to be able to help this lady. But again, you know, it's one of those situations where just like in the medical field, oftentimes you want to get several opinions. You know, her sister here writes, I find that quite hard to believe. That's her quote, that her sister has no case. And to be honest with you, when I read that email, I also had that same reaction. It's hard to believe that somebody who has been struck by a car and has been in the hospital for a week and has the injuries that she afterwards told me she has, 
doesn't have a case? No, she does have a case. We're going to be able to help her. So if you're in that situation or in any situation where you think that you've been wronged, you've been hurt uh, through the negligence of someone else, you want to get a second, third, fourth opinion, you should do that. Not just by calling me. I mean, you can call other lawyers. But again, it's very important that you do your due diligence and get advice from a lawyer that really knows their stuff when it comes to personal injury or LTD, if we're talking in the disability uh, world. one 9646 starts with the phone call. Get that consultation happening. What else we got going on? Okay, so we have an LTD case here. So this is a lady. She is in her late 20s. She's a 911 dispatcher making almost six figures. Uh, good job. Uh, now, the person who called us about this lady is uh, the father. The father called on behalf of his daughter, who is on LTD. Okay. Well, actually, she was denied LTD, long-term disability, due to, wait for it, John, lack of medical of documentation, right? And that's one of the most common reasons, or as I call them, excuses, that insurance companies deny long-term disability claims. This lady was diagnosed with post-traumatic stress disorder, which, by the way, I completely understand because if I was a 911 dispatcher, I'd probably have that too. Uh, And she's seeing a psychologist. She has support from her psychologist for being off work, and yet she was still denied by the LTD insurer her LTD Mm -hmm. claim. Uh, She's been off work for about a year. She she was on uh, shortened disability initially. So, you know, whenever you have a situation where the insurance company says, look, we're denying you or cutting you off LTD because of lack of medical documentation, you know, there are two questions that I immediately ask. Number one, what did you submit to the insurance company? Did you submit anything, really? Uh, So I want to see. Then then it would be legit, but. Well, yeah, I mean, listen, if you're just asking for LTD and never gave any reports, (laughs) yeah, the insurance company is going to say, well, give us something. Otherwise, there's nothing there. But many times what I find also is that people uh, submit medical reports saying that they're unable to work at this point in time because of their ongoing issues, but those reports are not comprehensive enough. So the insurance company comes back and says, well, there's insufficient medical documentation or support for your disability. And that in and of itself is not necessarily wrong for the insurance company to do, except that what I would like them to do is to really just ask for clarification. Look, you can't just go to the insurance company and say, here's a uh, one-liner from my family doctor saying I can't work. There has to be more meat to it. Uh, But what I oftentimes see is I see comprehensive reports from psychologists, psychiatrists, rheumatologists, orthopedic surgeons, oncologists, all telling the insurance company this person is unable to work at this point, and they still get denied. Tell you what, John, when that happens and we spring into action, the insurance company ends up coming to the table and we end up settling the case because they don't want to fight that. one 990 is that number. Help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. We'll get to the injury calculator or mydisabilityquestions.com. In much more depth as we carry on here, short break, the Insurance and Injury Law Show, Talk Radio, AM640. One triple eight nine nine zero ninety six forty six is a number you should have to get a hold of Savannah any time. The email is help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. A few more cases we'll talk about, and we'll get into some other stuff as well. Go ahead. Absolutely. Let's yeah. talk about another long-term disability case. Again, we get a lot of those, and we give out a lot of information. So if you are experiencing an issue with your long-term disability, uh, you know, feel free to call me, email me. John's going to give you the information, or or just go to... Uh, mydisabilityquestions.com and just post your question and you'll get an answer from me within minutes. It's free. 
so let's talk about this lady that uh, called us as well. She's been denied LTD three times. And of course, she appealed those denials and again was denied time and time again. She was on paid leave from October 8th until February 8th uh, of this year. And uh, guess what? She was also terminated from her job on February 17th, right? So about uh, just under 10 days um, before she got, um, before she applied for LTD. Uh, And guess what? She was denied LTD because, again, the reason cited by the insurance company is insufficient medical documentation. Now, she's unable to work because of, get this, John, vertigo, incontinence, um, issues with her heart rate, uh, she's, she's delusional, wow. suffers from memory problems, carpal tunnel, issues walking. It's just a whole host of issues, okay? This unfortunate person has a lot of issues. And frankly, even one or two of these would be sufficient in my eyes to uh, approve her for LTD. But for whatever reason, uh, the insurance company... Um, in their wisdom, decided to deny. Now, her family doctor, her dentist, uh, and psychiatrist all support her being off work. So we are dealing now with two issues. We are dealing with a denial of an LTD claim, and we are dealing with a termination of employment. I'm not going to talk much about termination of employment since my uh, good friend and partner, Lior Samfiru, on the employment hour deals with these, except to say that Whenever we have people who have been terminated and been denied LTD claims, we work on both cases at the same time in parallel. And it's crucial to work on both cases in parallel to each other. In other words, the right hand must know what the left hand is doing. The disability lawyer in our firm will work closely with the employment lawyer. Why? Because if you are terminated from your job while you are disabled, that may give rise to human rights damages, Mm -hmm. not to mention severance. The insurance company under the policy of insurance for LTD is generally entitled to a deduction for any income you receive while you get LTD. So let's say we fight for this lady's LTD. Let's say we get a settlement for the LTD. The LTD insurance company is going to turn around and say, hold on for a second. She was also terminated around the same time you're trying to access the LTDs. What did she get as severance? Because we are entitled to a deduction. So, for example, you know, they'll say, Sivan, if we're going to pay your lady $100,000 for LTD and she's getting severance of $10,000, we're entitled to a deduction for the severance because severance is essentially income. So, really, we're going to pay her $90,000. But hold on, this person was let go while on disability. So, maybe it's not really $10,000 for severance. Maybe it's $5,000 for severance, $5,000 for uh, human rights damages because they were let go while on disability. So, now the insurance company is entitled to deduct deduct only uh, 5,000. So anyways, very, very technical uh, stuff. Uh, And by the way, this is just scratching the surface, except to say that if you are in that position, you're struggling because your LTD insurer had cut you off or denied your LTD claim altogether. And at the same time, you're having issues with your employer, right? Your employer is either threatening to terminate you or has terminated you. You don't know what to do. Give me a call. Trust me, I will, we will help you. At the very least, we will tell you what all your legal rights are as they pertain to LTD and employment. Because if you don't know what those rights are and if you don't know what to do, you're going to think that you are by yourself. There's no recourse. You're getting pushed out by the employer. You're getting squeezed by the insurance company. You're thinking... It's all over. It's all over. There's nothing I can do. No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. The law gives people tremendous power. It's just that people don't know how to access that power. 
and I would, you know, I would say we are the conduit for that. If you want to get that information, you don't have to sign up with us for anything. Just give us a call. Let us give you this information. If you want us to act for you, by Beautiful. all means, we will we will bring out you know the the M16s, the hammers, whatever it is, to make sure that we get you exactly what you deserve under the law. But at the very least, know that you are not you know uh, defenseless and helpless. You do have options, and you can enforce your rights. And that's the beauty of of your particular firm. Uh, unlike most firms, you do both employment law and insurance and injury law. So yeah, absolutely, they're always blanketed together in most cases. You do, right? and you know there are employment law uh, uh, firms out there that we're aware of that you know they have somebody that does uh, on contract disability claims, or or you know firms that do LTD. Primarily, and you know they'll sort of dabble in employment, but I think that there's something unique about what we have going on in mm-hmm. our firm right now. Uh, Nineteen lawyers, and you know they're split: employment lawyers and injury and disability yeah. lawyers, and they all work in the same location at the same time. So you know things are not going to get missed. That's the beauty of it. You're protected from literally every angle. And that's the thing: if you have a firm that you know sublets the employment side, I mean, there's miscommunication. There's, there's to bound to be. You have to be careful. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's 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 just natural, right? If you have several offices working on yeah. on a claim, you know things can fall through the cracks, and we try to avoid that because everyone works under one roof. One triple eight nine nine zero ninety six forty six is the number. Uh, number the number rather help at the insurance lawyer say is the email used. Both those get in touch with Savannah if you need to. Um, while you're listening to this show, the Insurance and Injury Law Show continues. Talk radio, AM six forty. One triple eight nine nine zero ninety six forty six. We'll get to some of your questions and emails here very shortly. Help at the insurance lawyer is the email. And if you haven't used yet, injurycalculator.ca. That is a website. You can find out what your pain and suffering amounts could be. We'll get to that very shortly as well. You got a couple more, at least another case. Yeah, let's just talk about one more and then just delve into the emails we're getting. Again, long-term disability case. This one comes from a lady in Ottawa. Uh, Remember, we do work all across Ontario and actually now in British Columbia. We have an office there uh, with, uh, with a lawyer there. So anyways, this lady here is appealing a rejection, a denial from the insurance company for LTD. And guess what, John? She was denied due to insufficient medical documentation. Seems to be the theme today, This is man. the theme today because it's just so common. I mean, it's just yeah. crazy. She was diagnosed with, with uh, fibromyalgia and various other issues that go along with it, uh, chronic pain, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, she has medical support uh, for being off work, and she's been off work since March of 2016. Uh, in fact, she had tried to go to back to work several times unsuccessfully, and it's all been documented. Uh, very high salary. She's in her uh, early 50s. She's mm-hmm. a biologist, seeing a rheumatologist, an allergist, and a gastroenterologist. Wow. Everyone is saying she's unable to work, and yet the insurance company comes back and says insufficient medical documentation. You know, the frustrating thing for people when they see that letter or they get that call that says, you know, there is just insufficient medical documentation. People, when they call me, they say, what the hell does that mean? Yeah. I mean, I've given them everything. I have reports that are two, three, four, five pages Reams long. Reams of paper. What do they want? And, and, you know, one of the other complaints I get, uh, sometimes from doctors themselves directly, is that the insurance company then harasses the doctors and tries to get more clarification, quote unquote, right? Try to understand a bit more. And there's nothing wrong with the insurance company trying to get more documents, mm-hmm. more information. But for God's sakes, at some point, enough is enough. At some point, here's the proof you need. Approve this person. 
Let's move on. And they don't. Yeah. Exactly. And and what do people do? Again, let's start from, from the beginning here. She's appealing a denial, no, that denial, no, right? No, that's going to go. If you are in a situation like this where you've been denied LTD or you've been cut off and invited to appeal the denial or the cutoff, look, do whatever you want. My experience and my experience doing this across the province. On both sides, On both way. sides. Rarely do insurance, den- uh, sorry, uh, um, appeals of these kinds of denials and cutoffs work. In my in my experience, they're detours. Why are they detours? Because you know, after the first, second, and third appeals, when you've been rejected all these times, six months, eight months, however long has passed by, that's when you give me a call. By that time, you're exhausted, yeah. emotionally, financially. You're having issues with your spouse, right? Because everybody does. Nobody knows what to do, right? You're, and then the question becomes: Well, why should I come to you? What can you do for me that I haven't been able to do for myself yet? Exactly. Well, the difference is that when you're appealing a denial or a cutoff, you are playing on their court, okay? There's no legal gun to their head, okay? Figuratively speaking here, obviously. Yep. When you start a legal claim, when I start a legal claim, I'm taking it out of the hands of the insurance company. I'm taking it and putting it within the legal framework that we have available to us in the province. And what does that mean? It now means that we've activated your your legal rights. And those legal rights are paramount. The insurance company is not above the law, and they know it, which is why as soon as we start the legal process, the insurance company immediately shifts the claim from the usual adjuster to the adjuster that deals with the legal claim. It's somebody who's more experienced, who understands the legal process, and the insurance company now has a lawyer, usually an in-house person, sometimes a lawyer from a firm that they choose, who handles the claim on their behalf, who advises the insurance company on their risk if they don't come to the table to settle. And again, remember, insurance companies are not in the business of fighting claims. If they really believe, and I'm telling you this as somebody who used to work for insurance companies, okay, as a defense lawyer, if I thought that the insurance company was in the right, I would tell my client, the adjuster for the insurance company, to fight. And I would tell them, fight all the way. And I've done trials on behalf of insurance companies. But in many instances... I would turn around to my client and say, you better pay this or we better go and try to negotiate a settlement because if they push it, if they push it all the way, you're not only going to pay their claim, you're going to pay their lawyers. It's going to look bad on you. It's going to set a a bad precedent. Very costly. So insurance companies are cognizant of the fighting costs, of the legal costs for fighting these claims. That's why if I'm telling you you have a case, it's because I think you've been wrong. You then choose if you want to proceed and instruct me to start a claim and I'm telling you, once we start that claims process, it doesn't take that long to resolve. It's it's fairly painless as far as I'm concerned. Again, most of these cases end up resolving early on in the claims process. You have nothing to lose. You have really nothing to lose. You have a lot more to lose with simply appealing and getting denied and appealing and getting denied because eventually you're just going to get exhausted and give up. You shouldn't give up. one 990 We'll bounce over the email here. we got a, a couple minutes left till we take a break. This one's a, truly a sad one. Cheryl writes in and says, My husband died last year uh, in January in a car accident. His friend was driving, and they were sideswiped by a truck. He's only 52. Uh, I haven't been able to bring myself to speak with a lawyer, but I've been listening to you uh, for several months and wanted to know what claim do I and my children have. Well, Cheryl, first of all, uh, tremendous condolences, um, deep, deep condolences for uh, what you and your children have experienced uh, o- over this past year. Uh, you know, I've lost family members, and I can't even imagine what you are going through and, and your children. Um, okay, F- from a legal standpoint, uh, when you're dealing with a fatality case, 
there are a variety of things you need to consider. If it's in the context of a car accident, which this is what it is, mm -hmm. there are certain benefits that you're going to be entitled to and the dependents are going to be entitled to from uh, the accident benefits insurer from your husband's insurance company. Uh, and those have to do with funeral expenses and there's a whole bunch of benefits that, you know, you, you actually don't need a lawyer for that. You can just contact the insurance company and they'll tell you. And frankly, I always, uh, you know, got upset when I did the fence work and I heard that, uh, you know, lawyers would be taking chunks out of those amounts that you don't really need a lawyer to apply for. Mm. Uh, because if you lose someone in a car accident, just contact your insurance company and they will tell you exactly what benefits yeah. are you're entitled to. But uh, what about, um, you know, the larger part of the claim, uh, quote unquote, uh, against whoever was responsible here? Um, the truck, the truck that hit uh, the car that um, killed your husband. Uh, Cheryl, you know, the reality is that there is a whole bunch of, uh, of things that you can claim and your children claim. And uh, John, I think we're going into a commercial. So mm -hmm. let's come back to it because I really want to flesh out what people in Cheryl's situation and her kid's situation uh, can get yeah. are, are entitled to under the law in, in a tragic case like this. One triple eight nine nine zero ninety six forty six is the number. We'll get back to the case in about a moment. The email is help at theinsurancelawyer.ca, and if you haven't checked it out, go to injurycalculator.ca as well. It'll tell you what your pain and suffering in uh, that case could be. We'll get to, into more of that in detail as well as we take a short break. Back with lots more of the insurance and injury law show. This is Talk Radio AM six forty. Four. One triple eight nine nine zero ninety six forty six. A number to get a hold of Savannah anytime. At uh, just before the break, we were talking about an email from Cheryl, who uh, tragically lost her husband in a car accident a year ago. Friend was driving, got to, I think it looked, sounded like it was almost T-boned by a big truck, and wants to know what kind of claims she has, if any, for herself and uh, her kids' dependents. Right. So we just talked about accident benefits yep. and those said benefits. The other claim, the claim against whoever was at fault for the accident uh, and that person's insurance company is called a tort claim. Yep. And that claim can be very substantial. So under Section 61 of the Family Law Act, the legislation in Ontario that governs the situation, um, dependents, spouses, uh, there's a whole uh, um, uh, list, I guess, list right? of people Yeah, under the Act. They're entitled to bring claims under the Family Law Act for a loss of a loved one in the context of, uh, of an accident, car accident or any other accident. And, you know, just a few weeks ago, actually, uh, the lawyers at my firm and I had a meeting with our accountants, the accountants that we often utilize to provide us mm -hmm. with reports to quantify the losses that uh, people in Cheryl's situation right. suffer. And, you know, one of the main things to consider is that, look, this person now died. That person brought money into the household. Now that money is no longer there. What does that mean for the household? How do you calculate that, right? For example, if her husband brought, let's say, $75,000 a year right. and he's only 52, well, extrapolate that until whatever age you want. You know, is that the amount that she's lost? Well, not exactly. There are different... Um, uh, technical ways of calculating and theories on how to calculate those losses. But the point is, now that money's not coming in and that's going to be a lot of money, a lot of money that Cheryl's not going to have, her kids are not going to have. So very, very important to understand that. I'm not even talking about the, you know, the pain and the suffering. Bereavement side, the bereavement side, bereavement. Right? I mean, yeah. that's that's a given. I'm taking that for granted that yeah. they're going to, you know, they're going to be compensated for that. Never, never will they get any amount of money that would truly compensate them for what they've lost and the pain that they're gonna, you know, suffer for the rest of their lives and, and, and live with. But, you know, from a pecuniary amount, in other words, the money that we can calculate, 
there is going to be that income loss from that person who had now uh, um, uh, passed away. But what about other types of losses? What about loss of inheritance, right? The kids presumably would have had some kind of an inheritance that they would have received at some point. Well, their father is now gone at age 52, so there is going to be less of an inheritance, presumably. Again, there are ways to quantify that. What about services, loss of services? Maybe, you know, the kids are not, you know, three, four, and five years old. Maybe they are 20-year-old, 30-year-old, but they're relying on their father to babysit so that they can go to work. Well, there is a service there now that they don't have. Now they have to hire someone else to do it. You know, there are different ways of looking at it. Every case is specific and individual. These are tragic circumstances, and they really do demand tremendous, tremendous care. Uh, So Cheryl, my suggestion is let's chat off air. Uh, There's a lot to unpack here. I'd like to to come over to meet with you, uh, perhaps with your kids, and and just really go through the analysis. At the very least, you know, you'll know at the end of the meeting what it is that you're looking at, what you should do, what your legal options are, you know, and and take your time because, you know, you really do need to think this through. But this is going to be a fairly significant claim. Uh, and one that you want to move on as soon as you can. You mentioned taking your time. So would Cheryl have to start that claim soon, or should she? So that's a good question. So in Ontario, as as most of our listeners know, there's a two-year limitation period uh, for starting these kinds of claims. Uh, the There are exceptions. Some of the exceptions, uh, or one of the notable exceptions, is for uh, children who haven't attained the age of majority. So you know, if your kid is five years old, under the law, they really have until they're 18 uh, for the clock, for the two-year clock to start ticking. Uh, and again, y- every case is fact-specific, so we have to be very careful with even saying that. So my suggestion is this, uh, to Cheryl and anyone in her situation, uh, you should be contacting a lawyer, contact me, for example, uh, or any lawyer, really, that deals with these kinds of cases as soon as possible. Don't take for granted that you have two years. Not to mention the fact that the fact that you have two years doesn't mean you should wait two years. Yeah, big time. I know you have to deal with you know everything that comes with, with losing someone, whether it's a funeral and, and dealing with everything around it. I know. I know from personal experience. But please, please contact me as soon as you can so at the very least I can tell you what you need to do and then decide when you want to do it and how you want to do it and if you want to do it. But get the information. That's the key. If someone's injured in a car accident, a, you know, suffers a serious injury like a concussion and is unable to return to work or do their own job, but rather gets a lower-paying job, who's responsible for the difference in pay? Because they're going to lose some, right? Yeah, they, 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 they are, uh, presumably. Look, if somebody is injured in a car accident and suffers a serious injury, like a concussion, which is, by the way, a brain injury, uh, and can't go back to their job, well, listen, you know, you're going to be entitled to income replacement benefits up to a certain amount from your own insurance company. Uh, generally, it's up to $400. That's the max per week unless you received, unless you sorry, unless you purchased optional benefits. Right. But, you know, you're also entitled to compensation for loss of income into the future, for example, from the at-fault driver's insurance company or the at-fault, sorry, the at-fault uh, driver slash owner of the, the company, uh, the company, the car that hit you. Uh, So very, very important to understand that whenever you are losing income because of an accident, not just a car accident, but any accident, whoever was at fault for that accident, right? Whether it was a slip and fall, somebody didn't maintain the area, or it was a car accident, bicycle accident, whatever, uh, you are entitled to claim compensation for that loss from whoever was responsible. How we go about calculating exactly the amounts and the formulas and all that, that's very technical and specific, and we can deal with it on a case-by-case basis because that's what 
is required. Uh, but it's whoever was responsible. Generally, they would have insurance. That insurance company would respond and they would try to analyze as well what is their exposure? What kind of check are they going to have to write to you at the end of the day? one 9646 That's the number at the end of the day. Keep that with you at all times. Help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. We'll bounce right back over to your emails after we take a short break. And if you haven't used it yet to find out what your pain and suffering component could be of your claim, injurycalculator.ca as well. It's the Insurance and Injury Law Show. Talk Radio, AM 640. one 9646 is the number. If you haven't gone there, injurycalculator.ca. That will tell you what the pain and suffering component of your claim could be. The numbers are real, very simple to use. And at the bottom, if you want to contact Savannah, completely optional, you can do that as well. And uh, again, the email help at the insurancelawyer.ca. Sean used it, says I was just cut off long-term disability after my insurance company said that they uh, conducted surveillance that showed me shopping and going to the gym. Truth is that I have to go get food or I'll starve. And when I go to the gym, it's because my doctor told me that's the way for me to get better. I suffer from severe depression and chronic pain in my joints. I don't know what to do. Shawnee did the right thing by emailing us. Uh, I'll be able to help you. I can tell you right now, I've had many situations where people have been cut off LTD because of surveillance. And what is surveillance? Well, surveillance is when insurance companies, and they do this frequently, by the way, uh, they just don't believe you or they want to test whether or not you really are as disabled as you say you are. And so they'll hire a private investigator who, by the way, is not allowed to actually contact you, but they are allowed to stand outside the street and film you and take pictures and whatever, and that's common. It's common in the car uh, uh, accident context, slip and fall. You know, unfortunately, there are a lot of people out there who are trying to scam the system. That's just a reality. So the insurance company reacts to that by hiring these investigators, not in every case, but in some cases. Now, here with Sean's case, we have a situation which is quite common where he's following his doctor's advice. He's going to the gym, and frankly, there's nothing wrong with that as long as you are following your doctor's advice. And, you know, the uh, insurance company says, well, hold on. We saw you going shopping. We saw you, you know, picking up your kids from school. So, therefore, we don't think you're disabled. What a load of, you know. I mean, come on. The guy suffers from depression, chronic pain. No one said that he's quadriplegic. Nobody says that he can't get out of bed. Right. Okay? He still needs to function. And, you know, anyone, I was at a pretrial with a judge just a few weeks back, and one of the arguments the insurance company had made uh, was that they did surveillance on my client and they showed her smiling and picking up her, her kids, you know. And, and you know, they said, well, for somebody who's injured, who's suffering the pain and psychological issues that sh- your client says she does, you know, she doesn't appear that way on the surveillance. Seems pretty happy. And y- guess what, John? I didn't have to say anything. The judge piped up and says, well, you know, the judge says, as a mother of four children myself, I can tell you that no matter what injury you have, you have to get up in the morning, take care of your kids, put on a face. You have to do things. It doesn't mean you're not suffering, right? So the judge there rebuked the insurance companies. And by the way, they paid a hefty sum on that case. But again, Sean, we can help you. I'm not concerned about this. Listen, if the surveillance shows you going and playing a soccer game, that's a problem, right? Because if you can play a soccer game, I don't know how injured you really are. But if you are just functioning the way that any of us would, suffering from depression, having some pain, uh, you know, there's nothing wrong with you trying to get better. And in fact, I would think that your doctor would be negligent not telling you to try to get better. So I don't see anything wrong with that. And I can tell you that we can probably get the denial or the cutoff reversed Mm -hmm. or, or threaten the insurance company that if they don't do that within seven days, 
we start a legal claim and they're going to have no leg to stand on and they're going to have to come to the table and settle with you for what the law says you are entitled to. So don't be afraid. You have rights here. I, we know just from you know from what you said, surveillance is it's legal, but is there a limit to yes. how far surveillance can go, though? There are quite a few limits. And, you know, the, the biggest limit or the most significant limit is that they cannot... Um, they cannot communicate with you. They, oh, right. the investigator is not allowed to go and, and touch you, talk to you. You know, they can't. Guy with a GoPro in your shower, like, <laughs> no, not gonna happen, right? No, not gonna happen. Maybe in the states, but not in Canada. No, not allowed. Courts are are taking that very seriously. There were cases in the past where this was not adhered to, and holy cow, did the insurance company get slapped uh, with some fines by the the courts? Uh, but you know, that said, they can stand outside. They can, you know, walk behind you. You know, sufficiently back. Uh, and and film you. I mean, that's just the nature of making any claim. You know, it is what it is. They're, they're entitled to do that. Uh, but no, they cannot contact you. That's the biggest limitation on them. We'll get to an email here from uh, Dustin. Says I fell down a staircase with no railings at a cottage I visited earlier uh, this summer and broke my back. Wow. I can't work now. I'm a building manager. I'm only 49. Does the cottage owner have to make sure their place is compliant with the building code? Because mm, this place wasn't. So that's an excellent question, Dustin. So, uh, I, and I have cases like this, by the way, particularly in the summer, you see this, right? Because yep. people are renting cottages and Airbnbs and all that kind of stuff. Well, look, uh, uh, the homeowner, um, I'm assuming here that the homeowner uh, had advised the insurance company that they were renting uh, the cottage because otherwise there might be an insurance issue with the insurance company saying we never knew anyone was renting. Uh, but, uh, you know, yes, the, the, the homeowner they have a duty of care towards you. So there are two issues here. Number one, they've contracted to give you a place to stay. So there's a contract issue, right? And it's implied in that contract that you're going to be staying in a place that's safe and is built to building code. Uh, but there's also the negligence aspect, which is, you know, how did you not know that you had issues in your house? Listen, maybe you're not an engineer yourself, but, you know, if you're going to go out and make money on somebody renting your place, you better make sure that, you know, sound. it's sound. There are no hazards. I had a case once where uh, somebody was renting a house and um, woke up in the middle of the night and entered the wrong room downstairs. thought it was the bathroom. And instead, it was the door to the basement, except that uh, the door uh, opened inwards, not outwards. Right. And the stairs were ex- extremely steep. And so, as you can imagine, boom, he just fell all the way down and broke his back. Horrible injury. And I'll tell you, the insurance company came to the table and paid a lot of money. So, absolutely, you, you're definitely, and in this case, Dustin, you're a building manager, 49, you can't go back to work. I mean, holy cow, you have a claim here, and it's a significant claim, and I suggest that we talk as soon as possible about your rights. Again, you can choose what to do, you know, yeah. how, how to proceed, but at the very least, I'll tell you exactly what it is that you're entitled to, what you can do, and when you should do it. You mentioned the word engineer in that last uh, last dialogue there, so we'll get to that as soon as we come back. I want to talk to you about that. one 990 is the number. Get to another email as well, help at the insurancelawyer.ca. This is the Insurance and Injury Law Show, Talk Radio, AM640. One triple eight nine nine zero ninety six forty six. The number to get a hold of Savannah anytime. Help at theinsurancelawyer.ca through email as well. Um, you mentioned engineers. How do you use them? Can you use them? What uh, what function do they serve? Yeah, no, we we use them quite often actually, and we use them in different contexts. Uh, we use engineers in building code violations. We use engineers uh, in, in in you know whenever we're analyzing anything that requires. For example, uh, you know we have. Uh, um, um, 
products uh, that, oh, wow. that, okay. that you know you have situations where products malfunction and cause significant injury. Sometimes you hear about those yep. on the news, and uh, you know you need engineers and people who know what they're doing in that field to examine those things uh, and to give you an opinion. You know, I may need an engineer to, uh, you know, take a look at a building code, uh, a code violation. I may need an engineer to uh, examine a bicycle where the pedal came off right. and the person was impaled because, you know, that little thing that goes into the pedal yeah. impelled the person's leg. That sure. just happened recently in one of our cases. So, yeah, we, we use experts quite often. We use top-of-the-line experts, and that's important. Because when you use top-of-the-line experts, you're sending a message to the insurance company that you're not afraid to go all the way. And, you know, trust me when I tell you that message is well-received. Engineers, you want to contact Savannah, you could do that as well. It's all part of your claim. Uh, Laura sends an email, says, uh, my brother was first denied long-term disability because they said that he didn't respond to the insurance company's request for documents, but he sent them everything they asked for. And then when they found the documents, they said that they think he can work, but his doctors clearly say he can't because of multiple uh, psychological uh, illnesses. Seems like they're throwing one excuse after another not to pay. I can't see that as being anything new. Uh, Can you help him out? Yes. Yeah. Done. (laughs) Done. Thanks, Laura. So, Laura, again, not uncommon, not uncommon, but I usually use this, uh, you know, against the insurance company, in a significant way, I, I will, you know, make a huge deal for the fact that they are using one excuse and then they fall flat on their face and then they're trying to come back with a different yeah. excuse. Because as far as I'm concerned, that's grounds for punitive damages. Now, it's very, very difficult in Canada to get punitive damages. I mean, you have to have extraordinary circumstances to get any judge to award you that. We plead that. We always claim that in the claim uh, because, frankly, when I start a claim, I'm furious at the insurance company, but you know, with your brother, Laura, the fact that they used one excuse and they couldn't find those documents and they found them and then suddenly they come back and, and you know say that they think he can work, sounds like nonsense to me. Sounds like they're just trying to basically shrug him off. And you know, guess what? The majority of people, John, they're not like Laura and they're not like her brother and they're not like anyone like that. They would simply give up. They would simply walk away from a legitimate claim because they think there's no point fighting the insurance company. Well, there is a point. And the point is that you have rights. You have rights in this province. Those rights were uh, enshrined in the laws that we have. Insurance companies are well aware of those rights, but they play the odds. And the odds are that you will walk away. And maybe this adjuster who gave gave her brother these two excuses, maybe they really believe that they have grounds for denying the claim. But, you know, on its face, I'm sorry, that just looks suspicious to me. If you think the guy can go back to work, then say that. Just say that. Yeah. Don't say that after the first reason you gave, you know, fell flat. So, Laura, we can definitely help. Please put me in touch with your brother. And, you know, again, like I've said from the beginning, we will give him the information he needs to make a decision. If he wants to hire us to help him with this, it's not going to be difficult to resolve, really. Nancy emails us, says, I was uh, walking my dog across the school parking lot uh, this past winter, slipped on ice, I broke my ankle, had several screws put in. I'm concerned that I may not be able to go back to work anytime soon. I uh, work at a factory. I'm 40. What are my rights? Well, your rights are to advance a claim against whoever was responsible uh, for... For the ice, I guess. For the right? ice, for not yeah. maintaining the area. And that could be, you know, the, the the school, the school board. It could be a winter maintenance contractor. I've had those kinds of cases. Because, you know, I mean, school boards, parking lots, you know, malls, they all contract out with third parties. So it's very important to make sure that we put everyone on notice so we can figure out who was really responsible here, who did not do their job, 
and figure out who owes you compensation for your broken ankle. You know, an ankle, several screws. I can tell you, I've done a lot of these kinds of cases where people have fractured joints, mm. had metal hardware put in. I've talked to quite a few orthopedic surgeons. This lady is going to have a lot of issues in the future. Yep. I'm not a doctor, but virtually in every case where I've had an ankle fracture with metal hardware put in, I was told by the doctors that the person would have arthritis, osteoarthritis, or going to have mobility issues, balancing issues, a lot of issues. Now, this lady can't go back to work anytime soon. It's a factory job, so it's not a desk job. 40 years old, she's young. Maybe she can get retrained, but there's going to be costs associated with that, right? So you're talking about a more advanced claim. And, you know, you you mentioned one of our online tools, injurycalculator.ca. Yep. Prime example, go on that website. It's it's It doesn't cost anything. It's anonymous. And look at what broken ankles are going to get you. And if you look at, you know, if you actually enter the information, you'll see that based on Canadian case law, so other cases across the country where people have broken their ankles and had fractures, surgeries, and chronic pain, uh, you know, you're probably going to be entitled to thirty, forty, fifty, sixty thousand dollars $60,000. Let's say on average $40,000 right. for your broken ankle. But... Because she's now losing income, and I don't know how much income she's losing, she could potentially be be owed hundreds of thousands of dollars for that head of damage, for the income loss. So it's no longer a claim for $40,000. It's a claim potentially for a quarter million or a half a million dollars. Or help around the house, stuff like that. Exactly. Oh, there's a ton of stuff. Exactly. So very, very important to seek that legal advice. So Nancy, we'll, we'll connect after the show, but we can definitely help you and do the due diligence required to advance a claim on your behalf. Make sure that you're compensated for what you've lost and will lose. Good for another week. You can do the same as well. Here's the number one more time, one 990 9646 to get a hold of Savannah. The uh, email is help at the calculator.ca. Get the right amount. Find out what the pain and suffering component of your claim could be. Till next time, the Insurance and Injury Law Show, Talk Radio, AM 640.